Welcome to Fresh Cuts, the meaty offshoot of Funhouse. Funhouse is a magazine of writings, comics and illustrations. A place for those who feel like outsiders, whose work may be too strange for other places. In this podcast, we meet people who feature in the magazine and people who don't. In this edition, Bryce Stratford. Wherefore should I stand in the plague of custom and permit the curiosities of nature to deprive me for that I am some 12 or 14 moonshines like a brother? Bryce is an actor and performer who is entirely off script. In his own words, can't manage to stay on a subject for more than about three seconds. I think we went from Bear Grylls to Shakespeare. Great interview, though. Yeah, really good interview. The funnest interview I've ever done. Until we had to edit it. Yeah. Um, We didn't know where to start with this podcast. So we went just from the point of Bryce talking about Shakespeare. He's very passionate about Shakespeare. He loves Shakespeare. Yeah. So Rosie, do you want to do the intro into the podcast? Nope. Nope. No (laughs) intro. Let's just play it. Let's just go. Okay. If you hate Shakespeare, don't go see Shakespeare. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. Maybe we don't need everybody to watch Shakespeare. If someone doesn't like Shakespeare, they don't like Shakespeare. Maybe if you want to change change the dynamic, you want to introduce people to Shakespeare who hate it, maybe we need to, you know, work on how we train English teachers. Or maybe we need to go to schools and do really... And yes, those things are happening. And that's great. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch in Hamlet recently was obviously the big... Well, yeah, yeah, only because I lost Benedict Cumberbatch. He did a very good job, but the play was bland and boring and everyone was predictable, except for Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch was brilliant. He he, he did a really good, solid performance, but the play itself didn't really add anything to the conversation. It was nothing, I don't think, there was anything of any real value to that play. I think it was fairly predictable. I think all of you could close your eyes right now. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know. I want to close my eyes in a room with you. (laughs) Very wise. (laughs) Clever girl. Uh, if you if you didn't see it, you could close your eyes and you could imagine it if you know the play, and you would be totally right. That was the same when I went to see the everyone fucking loved the Globes, Henry the Fourth and the Tempest and stuff. But it was the same thing. You didn't need to see it. You could imagine exactly what it was going to be like, and that's exactly what it was like. There was nothing. Whereas when recently Mark Crowley said Richard the Third at the Globe again, that was fucking amazing. amazing. Yeah. You could not have imagined that. Nobody could have imagined that Richard the Third. He was exactly as he's written in the text. Everything he did was totally justified. But it was my. It was. It was it's the constant new. Mark Rylance here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Essentially. Yeah. And yeah. what was that? <laughs> that was that's challenging the orthodoxy. You challenge the orthodoxy by doing exciting, amazing work that is Shakespeare, not by saying Shakespeare's shit. Let's rewrite it and do something that isn't Shakespeare pretend it's Shakespeare, which is exactly what we were talking about earlier. Doing something which isn't Shakespeare, but because you so want to believe that you're changing the world and doing good Shakespeare, you're invested in believing it's Shakespeare, as of the audience who want to believe they're seeing good Shakespeare. I'm sounding like a total prick here, which I am, but I also fervently believe it's really important to have good fun, cool stuff which people do and you don't have to give it, which is what I'm saying. You don't need to care about Shakespeare. So what's, what's your new don't project? Don't do shit Shakespeare is your, is your new project my, my new project is um, so Orson Welles um, that's it. That's the project. Oh, <laughs> just Orson Welles. Yeah, it's small. Um, Orson Welles first, nineteen thirty-six. Uh, I think he started writing it. He was still working on it as late as nineteen thirty-eight. It was the first play which he wrote himself. Is for the first sole-authored work of his. Was um, a really weird play called Bright Lucifer. It was only discovered uh, in the nineties. It was found in the Wisconsin State Archives. It had been abandoned and, dis- and discarded totally. And, this guy called Jay Rath, this um, local uh, local historian and local theatre guy, big in community theatre in Wisconsin, really nice fella. Um, he found it and um, he did 
uh, I think in 1997, they did like um, a sort of uh, rehearsed, staged presentation of it, a little Amdram thing. It's really cool. Um, they did that. All jolly, and it's never been touched. There's never been a proper, there's never been a professional run of it, never a full production of it. Um, it's never been done. And it's amazing. It's this weird as fuck three-hander with really deep um, homoerotic subtext. Uh, some this Again, a homoerotic paedophilic subtext. But it's not really about that. What it's about is this bizarre horror thing where, okay, so it starts with, I won't spoil that. No, I'll do, it starts with two guys, like maybe 40 and 50. They're in a cabin in the woods. They're brothers. The old one is this, essentially, is Citizen Kane, right? But not quite so successful. He's a newspaper editor. And this is, he wrote this before any of his other work, right? Well, yeah, before a vast majority of his other work. Certainly all of his film stuff. Um, he's in the cabin in the woods. with, And the newspaper guy, he's got his young ward, about 60. Well, I think he could be as old as 18, but I'm playing him younger, right? Um, no, I'm not playing him. So how are you playing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing. Like, this kid, who's his adopted uh, son, his ward, right? Now it's, I don't know, for me, what I read into it, it, it seems like a fairly heavy subtext that they're fucking and have been for a while. Like like definitely since way before it was in any way legal, let alone acceptable. And they're fucking. And there's this weird, intense love between them, right? And his and brother... that's at the beginning. Yeah, that's at the beginning. And his brother, the other one, is a B-movie horror actor who specialises in creature features covered in makeup as monsters. And he's just... Is that he's, you? That's, no, that's not me. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to play Orson Welles. I'm, I'm oh. framing it with a, like an Orson Welles d- introducing it, describing it, and doing all this cool, brilliant stuff. Yeah. You know? mm. um, now, the other guy, this B-movie creature feature guy, makes he's kind of like a Boris Karloff-inspired character or a, or a Barrymore. Um, he's on the verge of a complete mental breakdown because his wife, there's been this huge public thing in all the papers, his wife... Uh, just done loads of drugs. Run off with this little, um, this little fucking cameraman guy, and um, and 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 is disappeared completely. And he's like losing his mind. He's he's about to lose. He's he's about to have a complete cut, complete breakdown. He's so so tentatively holding on to sanity at the beginning of the play, drinking throughout. And, they, and so they go up there to retreat. And so it turns out this little kid is a complete fucking psychopath who thinks he's the devil. <laughs> Great. Just and what you need when you're having a It's exactly radar. what you need, yeah. right? And outside... Like being with Jeremy Kyle. Exactly like being with Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> you're just really sad. And he won't stop asking you for the DNA, right? <laughs> you know, I actually wrote a play and there was like this like... One of the, there was a whole there was a Jeremy Kyle scene in this really? was years ago and um and I actually took word for word great swaths of Jeremy Kyle's dialogue and without changing any of it Fantastic. he's always saying where I'm from um let me tell you the thing is mate and I yeah, think there's a great solo show in this yeah for you. it wasn't a solo show it was called <laughs> it's called was it called it was called a um, martyr and it was about Saint Dampfner who's the patron saint of the mentally ill. And um, child abuse victims. <laughs> She's literally so, that's so the thing. Yeah, you, and 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 Jeremy Carl would be great as him. Jeremy Carl. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Carl was in there, and um, I can't remember why. I can't remember why the fuck. Have you, have you got a lot of stuff that you've that you've written and you've you've you feel finalised and it just hasn't? Um, not a lot of stuff. There's that. There's um, there's like one. I've got. I wrote a play. This is this is like this is like six years ago. Where this. do you where do you start? Because obviously you put on these old plays that no one's done before or you know haven't done in modern times I'm not quite so interested in new writing as everybody no. else is I don't I mean I'm not saying new writing shit but I uh, 
I think You're it's implying. a bit arrogant. I'm, I'm heavily implying it. Do you yeah. always? Yeah. <laughs> do you always have stuff like on the back burner? Like once you finish one project, you know that you know what you're going to go no. to next. It's um, always Jeremy Kyle. I've got loads it's, of notes. There's always Jeremy, Jeremy Kyle. I'm basically just trying to build up Jeremy Kyle. I'm waiting to come with the. I, that's going to be your yeah. That's going to be my magnum opus. At the end of this, yeah. we're going to do a lie detector test. <laughs> uh, no, it turns out I'm not the father. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm the daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I can edit that bit out, Rosie. You can. Thought he just you said. could. Or you could make it your ringtone. Those are the options. Maybe we'll make it the intro. And if it yes. is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I hope if it is my ringtone, it. my dad never hears it. Um, you could have it as the ringtone yeah. for when your dad calls. Oh. There you go. And then there he probably wouldn't. Like, that's the least hiding in plain sight. Um, I hit the table again. Sorry. What was I saying? But do you, do you start really writing like in the middle? Oh, no. No, I've got, I, I mean, I've got loads. I've always got. I have a really short attention span and um, not as much follow through as I'd like. So I've always got loads and loads and loads of different things on. And then with luck, maybe eventually one of them ends up actually seeing fruition, mm. coming to fruition, seeing fruition. It sounds like quite a lot of it does. You you know, you've done lots yeah, of things and you've done. But I've also, so I, I was supposed to have written a book about new forest folk tales. Not wonder, tales, wonder tales. Wonder yeah. tales, yeah, wonder tales. <laughs> That's why it's not got published. At the beginning, yeah, I, shit, obviously. Just change the title, Bryce. But that was supposed to be finished at, like January first. <laughs> nowhere near finishing that. Uh, there's loads of things I've got. Like, there's got, I've got loads of loads of ideas. So uh, this amazing, weird as fuck short play, like an hour long, about this true, this horrible murder that happened. This guy could not be more current. And this is from this is again 17th century. It's called the Yorkshire Tragedy. Uh, there have been a, like a couple of performances of it in the last like fifty years, so it's kind of not that obscure. There's been like two productions of it, right? Um, in modern times, one of which I think was at the White Bear, the White Bear, right? So White Beer. You can't get beer, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Freudian slip. <laughs> Half pints only, though. Half really. pints yeah, only, because yeah. it's seven point four percent. I had a twelve point eight percent beer in France, and that Good shit. They didn't sell that. And be pass. alive. It was great. Mm. What was it called? La Diabolique, I think. That's great. What's 12% in French? Yeah, we all know what 12 in French is. Is that the says it in like, Anyway, what was I? Oh, yeah, so Yorkshire Strategy, really cool. So it's an hour long, really strange and weird. It's about a man, a drunk alcoholic. Is there any other kind? An an alcoholic. I'm sure it's not a sober alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah, one of those bastards sober. They are the worst. (laughs) They're like like people who've given up smoking. They're always bitching. No, they're like Uh, people who smoke but still vape. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Vape. Oh, my God. I bet they vape. I've got nothing against vaping. Really? I've got a lot of things against vaping. Anyway, back to the murder. Yeah. So, um, alcoholic gambler um, loses everything, falls into extreme debt, in a fit of self-hate, self-loathing, and just general awfulness, he cannot face the reality of the situation he's created himself. So he stabs his wife, murders his children, then goes off to find his the one child he's got left to kill him, right? Now, the wife survives a stab wound and manages to call for help, and he gets caught on the way to kill his final child, right? This actually happened. It was the Walter Calvary case, I think. And it like blew everyone's minds. It was this huge thing. It really shook um, Jacoby in England to the core, right? Massive deal. The, and it all happened in this house in Yorkshire. Uh, the house is still there, and you can hire it for a holiday home. <laughs> of course, yeah. Of so course. what I want to do is hire the house and do an immersive production 
in the house on the site of it, you know, certainly on the date that the murder actually happened. If you were going to have an animal as your name, what would it be? Bryce. Of course. I was <laughs> Sorry. What a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have, Rosie? Um, Bryce. Dolphin. <laughs> yeah, Bryce. No, I'd probably have uh, a oh, do I actually. Little cat. But Ollie's looking at me. What? Cat. What cat Cutler is just a normal cat name. Cat Cutler. Yeah, yeah that's, that's just a name. That's the right? girl at school. Nobody liked. Oh, cheers. Oh, oh, um, cat Cutler. Oh, what would yours be? You're that chicken. You're Falcon. Is he a chicken? He's a rooster. He a yeah, rooster. that's oh, rooster. That is you. Yeah. Don't well, a cock. Foghorn. I think we should try to hold on to cock. Cock. Yeah. In general. <laughs> Repossess that word. Yeah, re- reclaim. Reclaim. Reclaim the word cock like we did with Imogen. Is that play. what you hate about the whole sort of like, you know, kind of gangstifying Shakespeare is that you lose the, the old Okay, so one of the things it. I dislike, okay, Shakespeare didn't write original plots, right? That's just a matter of fact. The only thing that makes Shakespearean plays Shakespeare, is, I don't know why I emphasise the shake in Shakespeare, Shakespeare, <laughs> shaking um, Stevens, right, is is the specific wording he uses. The minute you change that, and no one likes to admit this, but if you translate Shakespeare, it's no longer Shakespeare. It's an adaptation of a play which Shakespeare also adapted, but was originally by somebody else. That's what it was. Like it's it isn't Shakespeare. Shakespeare is the language. Like that. That's what Shakespeare is. And I I do not. I've not yet heard any kind of argument to count. Like nothing has persuaded me. But that isn't the case. If this was a fight, Rice, between you and the Shakespearean elite, I think you've probably won. Yeah. Of a, because we haven't given them right of reply. But, but they're B, a bunch of pussies. That's why I've oh, won. Oh, of course. You um, have done some fight scenes mm. in your time. Like just in the in the lobby. I in did just some in the lobby. Took that, took that receptionist. Yeah, right. He won't be back at work tomorrow. <laughs> no, sir. Um, how did that? you find out you were, you were good at, at choreographing a fight scene? Um, Which is something we haven't actually talked that's about. That's a weird question. Yeah, but no, but he. I mean, we were talking um, about the brutality of, of theatre. Oh yeah, I yeah. suppose we didn't. Yeah, I. I yeah. So I, I do that. I do that also. I was into martial arts from a very, very, very young age, and gradually I realized what I was into about the martial How arts. How weird was, you're into martial arts and not sushi. That is weird. Okay, well, you know what? We'll get to that. That's exactly what what began to know me is that what I found I was into was the obscurity, right? The esoteric nature of a lot of the martial arts. Uh, and basically what I discovered was, so I sort of wanted to get into more and more obscure martial arts, and I discovered that we all think of, well, we people gen- tend to think of martial arts as being Eastern. So you, you thought of Japan, right? I it's just said you sushi. Of martial- exactly, yeah, said, yeah, yeah. case in point. But what's really cool is that there are loads of complete manuals on martial arts from... There are medieval and Renaissance martial arts manuals from Germany and Italy and France, from England... There are European martial arts, historical European martial arts, or HEMA, as um. Let's say that together, should HEMA. HEMA. Hello. HEMA, HEMA, right? So I got into that stuff. I got into um, reading and poring over these old, old ancient texts uh, and, and trying to work out what's happening and uh, found other groups. And But, but I, there were other groups. This was way back. It's become quite a thing now, actually. There's quite a few um, different organizations you can go to to get engaged with this but back then the only ones near me in the new forest uh, there wasn't anyone around there and so i as a kid tried the only place i could find that would teach me any kind of that side of things was um through learning stage combat and so i lied about my age i was i was 15 <laughs> i was 15 i said i was 18 <laughs> i lied about my age and um i went and did a load of uh, i went and did a load of stage combat courses um some intensive stuff and then 
Uh, I did. I spent a few years just doing every week. I would come up to London. I would do stage combat. And this went on for I think about three years. I did this, and then um, I went to Italy and spent a load of time in Italy doing more stage combat. And then in Italy, it started incorporating a lot more of the historic of the HEMA, of the um the original text and all that stuff. Back then, the industry was different. You didn't, you you couldn't. There wasn't a course to go on. The only way you did it was through doing it was through working and after you'd spent years and years and years and years training th- it was a small enough industry that everybody knew you and um and so people knew what you could do and they would get in touch to then they would get in touch to to give you work and to um to ask you to do things and essentially that's happened and then after i was expelled from drama school yeah i got like a two-month job doing a channel doing a channel four thing called 1066 which was um amazing it was for hardy pictures Brilliant, brilliant production company, who um, underknown and underloved, but really good. They specialize in um, in historical stuff and like dramatized historical kind of documentary stuff. Or based so when you're when business. you're putting together a fight scene for something like that, where do you go to go and find? Because you want to create recreate. Well, the stunt it coordinator that was Dom Kinnaird. Um, yeah. What he did was employ a load of um, fight guys, and we all sort of contributed stuff. And he 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 like. He stamped. He gave us pointers and leaders, and he he essentially took. He had ownership of the choreography as a whole, and all of us contributed a thing. Um, and the, all the extras were were reenactors. And on jobs like that, the essential role of the fight guys is to is to kind of reenactors are some of the loveliest people you'll ever meet. I have lovely ideas about the idea, the, the fact that in Britain at the weekends there are groups of men and women mm-hmm. who go and reenact. Yeah. They're, they're amazing buttons. and they're also completely insane <laughs> and terrifying and you got any of them they have like missing thumbs and like spaces off of their shoulders and things like they're great but they're crazy they're insane and so one of the main roles for the fight guys on a job like that is to, on a low budget job is to strafe all the principal actors who are really important and we can't afford to lose them and then if like a, if a stray old bearded man with an axe just attacks saying well you've just got to jump in the way you could be like oh no exactly, yeah, don't gotta, get yeah, him gotta, he's very expensive you've got to stop them attacking any of any of the talent but right. in general in general do you like doing things for tv and film or do you like would you like to do that kind of, would you like to direct that kind of thing in the future Oh, um, in in general, fight yeah. stuff. In general, fight stuff is fun. It's really, really, really fun. And uh, so, different things I get different things from. Um, acting on stage is fun. It's like this adventure. It's an experience. It's like you go from beginning to end. This whole journey, and there's this camaraderie with the people, and it's drinking. It's brilliant. It's real fucking art connecting with people in front of you. It's amazing, and it and it is fun. It's pure fun. It's it's like a drug, right? Um, directing is something different. Directing isn't such isn't fun in the same way. Directing is worthwhile. Directing's hell, but it's really worthwhile, and you feel good and important about it afterwards. It, you've created a life, and it was hard, really fucking difficult, but 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 you got there. So those are two different things. Then um, acting in film or television, that's far more workmanlike. That's and that's it's 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 also great. And like it's it's one of those things you you realize when you haven't been on on a film set for a while, you miss being up really early and half asleep and drinking cheap coffee and waiting to do your thing it's it's great there's um film work is well i mean they say that uh, that theater is uh, is the actor's art and that film is the director's art like and, and i I, th- I think that's i think that's fairly apt um you get different very different things all of them brilliant from each of those from each of those um 
each of those mediums and um, and each of those disciplines. Fight is really, really, really good fun, and I get a real pleasure from with the fight stuff from it being a craft for me rather than what I would think of as an art. And for many people, it is an art, and they consider it an art, and it is for them. But for me, it's um, I I, I get far more pleasure on tr- so a definition which I tend to go by between craft and art is um a craft or a craft, you know. Folk craft depends right. which part of Cornwall you're from. <laughs> right, actually. right. Yeah. Um, what I so that's something which is predictable, right? You can predict the outcome of craft, and art is unpredictable. You cannot predict the outcome of a piece of art. Oh my god, that was the intro, just yeah. there. That was it. <laughs> I I think I want to like. I think we should kind of end, end with the Al Pacino. <laughs> you're like, let's finish. Well, now. I I now feel um, this has been awful. I mean, Al Pacino, we're aware already is an impression that you can. I don't know why this came from. I can't. Your agent, done, like, I can't really Ollie. do an Al Pacino impression. I will. I will. I will do an Al Pacino impression for okay. you. Like, but it's. But can it's you tell like, us who you like in in theatre? Could you film? do a Shakespearean passage in and out in the? We've asked you many questions. Yeah. Now, so oh wow. Okay. Okay. In Al Pacino. Okay. Um. Okay, I'm gonna get into an Al Pacino. <sighs> okay, um, there's that pirate again. Hey, 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 hey! Thou nature of my goddess. Okay, Al Pacino in Shakespeare, good. right? There's an amazing documentary film Al Pacino made back in the day oh, called I knew this. Yeah, called Was it Looking for Richard? Yeah. Searching for Richard, yeah. right? It is hilarious. Needed, uh... And it's amazing that his career survived it. It's basically Al Pacino in a car going, We gotta find the real Shakespeare, come on! We gotta find him! And then they go to Stephen Neven and then it's him just in the street going, He's not here anymore! <laughs> <laughs> and they drive away somewhere else. Then there's a shot about Baldwin doing this awful scene from Richard the Third. Is it Richard the Third? Yeah, it's Richard the Third. And, and he's like, oh my God, this is, he's not in this paper. And he's like throws a script. Someone goes, those words are dead. <laughs> it's so shit. It's amazing. It's so, and like for the first like hour and 15 minutes, it's hilarious. And then it's like, this is, why, why am I watching this? Then <laughs> the, the, like, the, then it's, this is not funny anymore. So anyway, thou nature, <laughs> oh my God. Goddess, to thy law my services abound. Wherefore should I stand in the plague of custom and permit the curiosities of nature to deprive me for that I am some twelve or fourteen moonshines like a brother? Why, bastard? Wherefore, based when my dimensions are as well compact, my mind is generous, my shape is true, as honest, madam's issue. Why, brand they us with baseness, base. Bastard, they base, base. Who oh, in the lusty style of nature take more composition and fierce quality <laughs> and fierce quality than doth within a dull, stale, tired bed. Go to the creating a whole tribe of fops. Got to sleep and wake. <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay. that, was, that was amazing. <laughs> oh, give him an Olivia. <laughs> wow, that sounded fun. That was exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah, I absolutely am. It was just very tiring being in there. And also because Bryce is just physically a very a very big person as well. He's a presence, for sure. A presence. But uh, you can find out more about Bryce. He does actually do something. He does. He doesn't sit around shouting at people. Well... I mean, maybe. Maybe that is. I, I suspect. That's... We love Bryce. We should say this now. Bryce was amazing. Bryce, if you're listening to this, thank you. You were just, uh, you, you're big. You're a, you're a big feat. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. We would. If we've got more time. If there's a script, maybe. Yeah. 
but he is the artistic director of the Owl Scream Theatre Company. You can find out more about them at theowlscream.com. And I have to spell it because it's T-H-E-O-W-L-E-S-C-H-R-E-A-M-E.com. I'm not going to repeat that so you can go back and listen to it again. That's uh, the Owl Scream. Eh, that's how that reads to me. The Italian version. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This podcast is a product of Fresh Cuts, the online platform for Funhouse magazine. You can find other media cuts of writings, poetry and illustrations at funhousemagazine.com. <laughs> <laughs>